Three years ago, Vincent and I had the solemn experience of standing on the grounds of Dachau. It's a concentration camp in Germany. And as we were walking on the grounds and looking at the faces of the people that lived there and suffered and physically standing in the gas chambers where tens of thousands of people were gassed to death just 80 years ago, we were faced head to head with the question, how is there so much pain and suffering in this world when the Bible tells us that we serve a loving God? Pain and suffering in light of a loving God. This is our topic today on 21st Talks. So Vince, I think a good place to start is um, on the question of the origin of pain and evil and suffering. Where do you think this stuff comes from? It's a good question, man. I believe before we even start talking about God and a loving God and then origin of evil, I believe we first have to admit that there is a lot of suffering in this world right now that is just because we are transgressing health laws and because we're intemperate. Like, let me give you an example. For example, let's say um, a lot of the diseases that we have today, they were not here uh, three, four, five thousand years ago. People were totally fine. Like, oh, come on, autoimmune diseases like diabetes. I mean, people were not people were not struggling with that kind of stuff. So you have to ask the question, where is it coming from? I believe it's because of ourselves, because that we are just focusing on money, on capitalism, on all these different things that allow us to to just sacrifice our health at some point. So I believe that there is a lot of uh, suffering in this world because we made it, and then also because we are not really temperate. Like we're there's just intemperance, you know, all around us. And I believe those are those are some reasons. Obviously not all, but those are some reasons um, for the pain and and the suffering. I know I know that there are also like I don't know natural disasters and 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 other stuff i don't know what you you think about that man but uh but yeah just talking about the man-made evil i believe there's a lot of man-made evil in this world yeah i, I like the way you categorize them and, and john lennox the oxford professor of mathematics and apologist he he categorizes evil in the same way he talks about moral evil which is what you could talk about you know with intemperance and health laws and and murder and rape and and you know all sorts of evil but there's also natural evil like you know when it comes to like floods and hurricanes and Ebola, like that's not, there's, oh, yeah. you can't directly trace that most of the times to like, yeah, you, to, we would have to answer. Yeah. We would have to answer that question. Where's that coming from? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Where's natural evil? I mean, yeah, the Bible talks about that a little bit. Um, it says that, you know, it's, it's going to be there. It's actually go, it's getting worse. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 24, um, towards the end of the world, you know, before Jesus is coming back, Bible talks about, okay, there are more natural disasters. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's another topic. I believe, uh, something i wanted to mention as well as you know you have you have the uh the man-made evil you have natural disaster what you were just saying man and then you also have um the just the idea of that there has to be a maybe a person a being that is responsible for that and the bible if you really study your bible you'll see that you know there's not only a god but we were also in revelation 12 verse 7 you know there were introduced to a being named the devil satan who uh is kind of 
fighting against what God is doing. He's rebelling. And actually, the Bible says in that in that verse in Revelation that he was uh, rebelling in heaven, and then he got kicked out. You know, um, so that's kind of that's kind of a thing. Okay, I know that atheists and you know agnostics they don't really believe in 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 a being like Satan. You know, so so that's kind of hard. I grew up I grew up not really believing in Satan. Not really. People did not tell me anything about Satan or the devil. It's something that people don't like to talk about. You know. Especially, you know, when you confront, uh, uh, you know, some Christians or, or I would say agnostics with that topic. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think in today's day and age, atheism is the primary response of most people to the question of, of pain and suffering and evil. And, and there's a statement that comes to mind um, by the Scottish philosopher David Hume in his dialogues concerning natural religion. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically says, if God is willing to prevent evil, but not able to, then he's not powerful. He's not all powerful, right? He's impotent. But if he's able, but not willing, then he's just evil and malevolent. But if he's able to stop evil and willing, then where's the evil coming from, right? Like the Bible tells us God is able to stop it and he's willing to stop it in a sense. So it's, and a lot of people turn to atheism as having the answers. And when I think about it some more, there is a little bit of attraction to it, but as you dig deeper, you know, you realize that atheism doesn't provide the answers for pain and suffering because atheism basically says, like Richard Dawkins says um, in one of his books, he says that we're just DNA and we're dancing to the music, right? So hmm. someone kills someone, oh, he was just dancing to his DNA or you were just dancing to your DNA when you killed that person or did that. Well, or, that's out of control, man. It's crazy, right? <laughs> and then like, you're still left with the question, you're still left with the suffering. So I could, I could become an atheist tomorrow and then it's like, I'm still suffering, right? And then you're left with no hope. It's true. Like there's no hope of compensation, of restoration, of judgment, of anything to kind of, I guess, compensate for the suffering we go through now. And I think that's what the Christian faith um, gives us. That's true. If you go back to that question, actually, that you asked, okay, let's say God is uh, not able. Well, he is able. Yeah, that's right. He's able. Why is he not preventing it? Um, that's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Um, but before we ask ourselves this question, um, we need to say that, well, evil is coming from this other being, Satan. Now you could ask, okay, Vince, why is God not preventing um, Satan from causing all of that stuff, right? That's a great question. What do you think about that? I mean, listen, I have many questions about how, how things are being done. And I, I, that's a beautiful thing. That means that my mind is working. That means that I'm actually being critical. Um, you know, ultimately, God could have stopped Satan from coming down here to tempt Adam and Eve. He could have taken out Adam and Eve and Satan before, but he allowed it to play out. I mean, I've been reading The Desire of Ages um, for my devotion in the morning recently. And in the first couple of chapters, Ellen White lets us know that evil will never rise again. Um, and so it leads me it leads me to think that God is allowing this chapter this virus of sin to play out in a way such that once he's done with it it will never come back and i i have to believe that that's the reason why he hasn't stopped the devil from doing evil because somehow it's playing into his ultimate end game of that, that's making true sure he eradicates it forever yeah yeah and i also believe you know you asked the very legitimate question why did not uh why did god not allow satan to um to not even come to Adam and Eve and tempt them, and why, why, why is Satan doing so much evil here on this world? Like, what is, what in the world is going on, right? And, and I believe that 
you have to talk about the character of God when you talk about that. Because, you know, we say, okay, yeah, how can such a loving God do something like that? How can he even, like, let Satan do all that stuff? Well, it is exactly because he's a loving God. So let me explain that. Okay, let me try to back that yeah, up. Yeah, go statement. ahead, please, because that's kind of confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's basically, if you say God is love, we know that's that's what the Bible says, right? The, uh, you know, John the Revelator is talking about that. God is love, and he... His character, I mean, when you think about love, right, um, you, you're getting to know a person and you cannot force a person to love you back, right? So, so once we start talking about love, we have to talk about free will. Okay, I know there are people out there, they don't, I know psychologists, they say, oh, we don't really have a free will and stuff like that. Okay, well, we're talking from a, we were talking now from a Christian point of view, and I truly believe that there is, uh, you know, the, the character, the element of love is in there, you know, in, in our world. Like people, you know, every song you hear on the radio, man, it's all about love, like whatever yeah. kind of love that is, right? So love is there, free will seems to be there. So imagine now God basically, um, basically destroying Satan right at the beginning, or even right now he would destroy Satan, uh, he would then take a portion of the free will away from us, okay? How, how, what, do, what do I mean by that? But it's really easy. If, if you think about um, destroying Satan right now would then kind of prevent us to make a decision for God to love him because we would not we wouldn't have another choice right because imagine that let's say okay God destroys Satan you know and then Satan is gone and I'm like hey wait a minute like okay but I don't really like you God I was I would just wanted to live my life and like I, okay and then God's like okay well you know then you basically are doing what Satan is doing so yeah I got to destroy you too because like you know that's that's how it works right because it's not <laughs> yeah. so so it, it just goes down like it's, it's then we come to a point where God is arbitrary we come to a point where uh, God is not loving at all right so he is suffering like god himself you know many people are like oh i'm suffering so much that you, you don't think god is suffering like let's be honest like god is looking down to this earth don't you think he's suffering too like yeah and and he's seeing that but he's allowing it to happen as you were saying for greater good and also because there will be a judgment you know and i guess we got to talk about judgment too but i don't know if you want to talk about it now <laughs> okay so let's talk about judgment actually the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to judgment, right? Like you need to have a set of laws or rules that you're judging people by. And the reality is that us as human beings, no matter how much we can claim that, you know, there is no objective moral standard. If you see a baby being tortured, 9.9 .9 out of 10 people are going to say that's messed up, right? So where does that come from? Because like when we see a crocodile eating a zebra, we don't say, dang, that's messed up. We say that's just nature, right? So why isn't all, all the evil acts that people are doing just nature? And so like intuitively, if we really ask ourselves, you know, look at ourselves and how we think, we'll, we'll know that there is some, some, you know, standard that we judge our actions by. And I think that God has his own standard, right? And I think that ultimately he'll use that standard in his judgment based on the light that we've received based on um, many different factors but i do think the aspect of judgment does because think about it you know when you get when you go into surgery right you have a man with a knife that literally cuts a hole in your body yeah he literally slices you up right so what's the difference between getting stabbed in an alley and getting cut by a doctor like it's completely different it's this well the god the doctor knows what he's doing he does right and so that temporary pain of the doctor 
is caused to take out a tumor or to save your life, right? So it's like a little pain is necessary for a greater good. And we're able to understand that in this small example. But to me, that helps yeah. me understand so what God's that, doing that here on earth. That helps a lot. Yeah. yeah, that helps a lot. And then you think you think about that. You say, okay, the greater good is 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 coming. Um, we're preventing, you know, just much more evil by just cutting out that little evil, uh, or or you know whatever it is. And then that's one side. Then the other side. Remember, at the beginning, we talked about that a lot of evil is man-made. So if we would uh -huh. cut that out, um, we would have less. We would have less evil, uh, less suffering. And you you sum it all up. You realize that wait a minute. At the end of the day, maybe. Our God is indeed loving, and maybe the suffering and the pain that we live in, there there will be a solution. There will be a final word exactly. spoken by the creator of this universe, and I believe that's uh, that's a really, really uh, good thought for me personally. It's amazing, and I think for me what's, what's most uh, stunning about this whole thing is the fact that God has ordained that... I, my choices actually matter. My choices actually have an effect. I can go out and do something evil right now. Or I can go out and do something really good. And they, it will have a real effect in the universe. Right? And that's the beauty of love. Like if he would not do it this way, then it would not be real love. Like imagine this. God could put something in your brain and in my brain to think that we have free will. Okay. And, and we would think, okay, I would think Phil has free will. I would even, He could even put something in my brain that I think I have the free will that I need. Yeah. But you know what? God would not be satisfied. He would know. He would know that he's kind of screwing us over. Like he's not really giving us what he really wants the universe to have. Yeah. And that's just the risk that you got to take, man. That's the risk God took. And, you know, I love that. I love that beautiful quote um, that, you know, we find that even in the Bible, we, we find it. I don't remember where it was, man, but we, we know that before the foundations of this world were laid, you know, God thought of a solution. He said, okay, I'm going to give them the free will because that's the character. That's, that's who I am. That's, I want to make them in my image. Um, but I'm going to make sure that if they abuse it, there's going to be a savior. There's going to be someone who rescues them. And I believe that's that's an even greater thought, you know. It is. So we can have hope. It is. And I think the Bible gives us a lot of evidence that we can trust our questions to God. Um, the, the Bible doesn't give us all the answers or solutions, but it does show us the character of a being, uh, a personal being who's given us evidence, right? Like in different stories and, and even in our personal lives. Exactly. Yeah. And even can... in horrible moments in world's history, like we remember we talked about, you know, World War II at the beginning. Even in these moments, there were people who were holding up to their faith, who were staying true to their example and who were looking for that blessed hope. And, you know, I believe, Phil, that's something that we should also look at absolutely like there's i just watched this movie called the hiding place by cory ten uh it's about the story of cory ten boom and she was a dutch uh, clock maker she came from a family that made clocks and she was the only person in her family to survive the holocaust everyone else died right and she, after the holocaust i mean listen god willing i will never face anything that she faced and she walked out of that experience preaching the gospel in over 60 different countries and she shared this message that her sister asked her to share with the world should she get out alive and i think it's an important message for us because it lets us know not only that god has so much evidence in the bible that he loves us but that there's a greater hope of judgment and everlasting peace and here's the message she preached no pit is so deep 
that he is not deeper still. With Jesus, even in our darkest moments, the best remains, and the very best is yet to be.